Dude, so I, I got I got to tell you something here, and I don't okay. know if we want to include this on the the podcast, but the other day I was going went to Costco, and I just had to get a couple things, and then mm. I came out, and there was a, a paper in my car. Okay. And I opened it up, and it just had like this, like it was printed like a. Have you seen it? It's like triangles, two triangles, and like an S in the middle. Have you seen that? Mm, no. So I didn't really think anything of it. It looked kind of like like emergency or something. I don't know. Yeah. Had like this, like light. It was supposed to look these lines looked like light. You know, I thought someone was trying to just pitch their shill. I didn't think anything of it. Sounds like it. So then I uh, brought my stuff. You know, went home, came home. The next morning <laughs> I came out and there was another paper on there that had the same logo on it. Okay, that's fucking weird. Yeah. That sounds like a cult or something. Yeah, it was uh, two triangles, like sort of like at an angle and then an S that linked them together. But wait, did someone follow you home? I don't know. Oh, that's weird, dude. Because if you yeah. got one and then another one appeared when you were at home. Yeah. Ooh, yee. Okay. Yeah. So it's really strange. Yeah, I thought it was pretty strange. It sounds like a cult. Maybe it's the Scientologists. Uh-oh. Maybe we talk too much mad shit about Scientology. Dun, dun, dun. Or maybe it's a men in black. Dun, 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 dun. black. You're not nervous, are you? Uh, I, I'm a little bit nervous after I looked it up. What was it? I love you, Mr. Cruz. Is it Scientology? Is it really? Uh, yeah. No. Is it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're fucking with me, right? You're fucking I, with just, me. I just want to say you're fucking I love with me. you, Mr. Cruz. Yeah, we will never joke about you guys again. We definitely uh, loved you, Mr. Cruz. And um, John Travolta, you're the best. Hey, okay, this is episode 114. Why don't you do the intro? Now I'm kind of shaking, though. Okay, um, welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 114. I love you, Mr. Cruz. We love you. Please don't hurt us. We like our kneecaps. Anyway. So, um, yeah, that's kind of creepy. It, now you're fucking, with, you're fucking with me. Speaking though, right? of Mr. Cruz, dude. Yeah, you you're, fucking, you're, fucking, sent you? you're fucking with me a lot of it. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't send what? you the video on Friday. You Oops. may have, you, you may have, because uh, Chuck sent me a bunch of stuff last week that I never got. My phone is so bad. Well, you replied to me. Yeah, it was actually, I went to see uh, the new Top Gun and I was greeted by Mr. Cruz. <laughs> the little clip I sent you was him talking about making the movie really yeah what do you mean you were greeted by mr cruz he was there he has a little no he does like a little little intro to the movie right at the beginning wow trippy I sent you the video yeah no i didn't look at it yet hmm. no nope. uh, you, you replied with a very strange image so i thought perhaps that you what was the image i don't remember any of this oh i don't even remember you were probably you, drunk maybe, maybe they're maybe they're, they're brainwashing me dude yeah dude or maybe they're in there missing time with my texts Maybe they're fucking with my beers and putting some weird stuff in my beer. Ooh. Yeah, I was probably drunk. Anyway. Well, like I said, I love you, Mr. Cruz. Yeah, we love you. We're sorry for everything. <laughs> if we send you like 10 bucks each, would that appease you guys? No, because then we'll probably <laughs> then we'll probably be part of Scientology. I don't want to be part of no, yeah, that. Okay, no, that's all right. Um, so well, now that I'm thoroughly it. nervous, thank you very much. Anyway. What what's that? I said now that I'm thoroughly nervous, thank you. Anyway. <laughs> 
Well, you should be a little more nervous. You mentioned the increase of asteroids coming over close to Earth. Yeah. And I just read of another one that's supposed to be, well, actually it just flew by. So we survived. It was like a couple of days ago. Told there you. There was a asteroid 7335. Nice. It was, uh, it passed 2.5 million miles away from our planet at the nice rate of eight miles per second. So that's only what, 10 times the distance that the moon is from us. So that's pretty close. At least it didn't fly like in between us and the moon. A couple of them have done that. That's scary. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess they discovered this asteroid in 1989. Oh. Laps around the sun every 861 days while we're overlapping with Earth's orbit. So, oh God, it happens, I guess, periodically. Oh God, I didn't know that. So if, they, if they're off by just a little bit, if their math is just slightly wrong, it could hit us in 800 something days. I think you'd have to be pretty far off if it's 2.5 million miles away. That's true. It'd have to accumulate over a long time. You're right. Yeah. Well, 161 days, even one degree off or something at these scales probably. Is pretty, <laughs> that's close, but... pretty, that's pretty quick, man. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. This thing yeah. was uh, the size of a small Island. They said Plum Island off the coast of New York. I don't know the size of that, but. Yeah, that, I but that was kind of interesting that there's another one, you know, another one that you thing that you had pointed out. You never you didn't hear about it at all, though? No, I didn't. I've been trying to, like, not look at news lately because it's so fucking depressing lately. And yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't know about shootings or asteroids or any of that shit. Politics, all that crap. I don't I just uh, I want to be in my little bubble because I'm already like. I just don't want to deal with that kind of shit. You know, it's just like everything is bad right now. And I don't want to listen to that shit. Ukraine, all that stuff. It's like, fuck. yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I need to be informed, but it's just so depressing. Yeah, my wife started talking to me about it. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So moving on anyway. Yeah, but I thought that was cool that there was uh, yet another huge ass piece of rock hurtling through space in a general oh, yeah. direction. Oh, yeah, totally cool. If Scientology doesn't take us out, it'll be a fucking big chunk of rock. It's awesome. Uh, what are you going to do, man? Just continue, roll with it. Continue drinking. <laughs> there you go. I, I mean, it's everything so big, you know. They. Uh, it's true. Just the scale of it. I mean, what's our what's our uh, galaxy, the Milky Way? How big is that thing across? Like 100,000 light, 100, light years across and 25 light years thick, I think. That's crazy. They, uh, they took, a, I guess, an image of the black hole in the middle of the milky way sagittarius a and have you have you seen any of those, those images yeah i have well I, I saw the image they did a couple of years ago where they they used like all of the telescopes on earth to combine them to make one big image because it's so far away so james webb took that uh new- this was actually an, an array of okay yeah it was uh the event horizon telescope collaboration oh so yeah. it was another collaboration thing. Yeah, so it, is it over more... 300 researchers and they used, you know, a bunch of equipment. Is that a newer picture or is that from a couple of years ago? No, just uh, I read this article just last week, a couple, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Because yeah, the way they, the, the way they, uh, the way they found it a couple of years ago was that um, they're watching, you know, how they do like time lapse and they see where everything's at. And then, you know, they can see things rotating or whether that's how they find asteroids like a star comes flying in it's like well stars don't fly in so it's an asteroid right but they're looking at the stars like in the center of the galaxy and how they're like they're like spinning in fast and then they go out really far really slow they slow down then they come in they spin really fast and they realize all these stars are spinning in the middle of the galaxies that's how they found the black hole and then they took that picture and it's kind of a fuzzy little grainy thing but it's you can see light going into it it's really weird yeah this is the same team that did that 
better clarity or something or uh it looks pretty similar you know that blurry kind of thing i don't know again confirmation talking about these yeah confirmation that's there and Mm. just another achievement i mean it's crazy that they're able to do these kinds of things you know so how many times does science need to do it to gain enough evidence to say it's actually fact they've been saying that's fact before they even had a picture of it for decades so Uh, that's where science falters some yeah. things have some things have more evidence than others, but they're they're okay with some things and not others. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, this black hole, Sagittarius A, has a mass of over four million suns. Pretty damn. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I was thinking about that comet that they found. That's the biggest the biggest thing they found in space so far. That's flying through space. That what was it? It was like four hundred miles across or something insane. Four hundred eighty kilometers across or something. Wow. And, and it, it, the weight they estimated it being like like 400 trillion tons or something it's like what the fuck man if that thing hit us it just we'd be toast would be no chance no chance because i think the dinosaur killer was only like six miles across this thing is hundreds of miles across that's insane that's how like moon that's how moons form how's that break off a bunch of isn't that what they think formed our moon huge impact and it broke off a bunch of stuff and it coalesced yep that seems like the most logical theory actually I've been reading a lot of scientists who don't believe that that's somehow they don't believe that that's the case, that that's how it formed. But that seems like the most logical reason way it could have formed. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's too big to have been just flying by and then getting caught in there in the earth's gravity. It just seems too big to be able to do that, but having some smash into it and they did the computer models too. And you can see how it like it all formed and coalesced and went into orbit and everything. And uh, wasn't the soil samples they brought back from the moon, the same as earth. Earth soil? I don't know. I think so. I think that's how they kind of concluded that that was the case. That it's part of Earth or was part of Earth. But anyway. Interesting. Well, how they're measuring these black holes and detecting them is very interesting, right? Because nothing escapes. Right. You're just seeing like the radiation and the radiation signatures uh, on things on the edges, right? And, and the right. effects of the other processes that are, that are causing them, causing that. Have you heard of micro black holes? No. What's that? I don't know. It's just something I saw briefly people talking about. There's a theory that there are like micro black holes like all over the place. And like, how does that work? What's the point of a micro black hole? It can't suck anything into it. Doesn't make any sense. How does it even I've form? never even heard that term. So. Have you? Yeah, I just heard it recently. Or white holes. I just heard that term recently too. Like white hole. What that? They think that, that might be what's on the other side of a black hole. It's like bullshit. Black hole just like time stops, I thought. When you get over the event horizon, it's like Time just stops. No, there's no time. It's like time dilation, right? Gone. It stretches you out. Until you go in and then it's just, it's just done deal, right? You don't even exist anymore. Well, more, pl- they, more pleasant they, stuff. Yeah. yeah. But hey, they're, they're checking things out. And it's really cool that they're able to see these types of things. And that's, they're so far away and extrapolate. And mm-hmm. so I thought, um, I thought maybe you would have heard about that one too. But So I can't, I can't, I can't hide it from me any longer. Yesterday I came out of the store, right? And there was a piece of paper on my window and um, it was the same thing you got. Oh, shit. I know. So at least you didn't follow me home. You want to review this album or what? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's review it. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Uh, an old timey band. They've been around for quite a while. Well, and uh, uh, Jungle Actually. Rot. Jungle Rot. Jungle Rock. Yeah, Jungle 30 Rock. years, man. 30 years, right? They formed in 1992. 
Yeah. And I just found out kind of researching these guys because I've listened to them in the past. I'm not like some aficionado of these guys, but I've definitely listened to their albums before. And uh, but I didn't realize that uh, Matisse was part of um, he was in the band Numbskull from the late 80s is a band that I really like. And I had no idea that that's where he came from. They only put out one album, but I love that album. Ritually Abused. Yeah, it's a great album. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, that's where he's from. But um, yeah, their new album is called Call to Arms. And uh, when did it come out? May 13th, 2022. 10 tracks, 33 minutes, 35 seconds. Perfect length. Perfect length. Mm-hmm. And uh, who did they have here in the band? You, you mentioned Dave Matrice. Uh, he's on vocals and guitars. Right. And he came from Numbskull. But I think he replaced he replaced another guy who started the band with someone else's kind of a side project. They didn't really take it too seriously. And then Matrice came in to take over that guy's duties at one point. So this, this is a band like they don't sound anything like Exodus, but this is a band like Exodus in that none of the original members who formed the band are even there. Are right there. Yeah, that's weird. huh? That is weird. Yeah. Then they got a guy, James Gennans on guitars and uh, Jeff Bubb on guitars mm-hmm. and Spencer Cyphers on drums. Now, They've been guess, with them a while, uh, James right? also plays bass. I guess James is playing bass right now. They've been with them. They've, they've all been with um, Matrice a while, right? I think they have. Uh, not the drummer. The drummer started in 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, he looked kind of young. I watched some live stuff and I was like, damn, that guy looks like a kid. Yeah, they're, play, they're playing in San Diego in a couple weeks on the 11th, I think. I saw that and I was tempted to get tickets, but I wanted to see what you thought about that. You know, I'd first. be all about it, but I have, I have plans, actually. You should go. But it depends. I don't want to go on a work night. I can't. I just don't want to do that. So if if I have to work the next day, then I'm not going to do it. So, but I would like to see them live because I've heard nothing but good things about them live. They're an energetic, good show. I'm sure they kick ass live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so we're mm-hmm. talking about, like you said, the, the album "Call to Arms." Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of covered. We covered them. They're death metal from Kenosha, Wisconsin. 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 Yeah, this thing's their 11th full length. Yeah, crazy. Been around that long. Yeah, they've been years. Well, since okay. what, 90, 90, what, two? No, wait a minute. Yeah, 92 is what I read. Oh, okay. That's a long time, dude. Yeah, 30 years. Wow. I'm surprised I haven't listened to them more often, actually, because they've been around so long. Um, they're pretty straightforward, though. Really no frills, huh? Just kind of like meat and potatoes, death metal. So the thing that came to me, and this is, I don't know, I, I kind of got a chuckle at it when I thought about it. It'll probably sound stupid when I say it. But do you remember that movie, Back to the Future? Never saw Back to the Future. All right. Well, I'm sure most people listening have. Yeah. And there's a have. part there where Marty McFly, the main character, mm-hmm. he's going to play Johnny B. Good. And this is like the, you know, the peak of after the whole resolution of the main, one of the main conflicts. So he goes to do it and he says, you know, he, he he's going to knock the socks off of all these people from the 50s. He's never heard heavy guitars. You know, he, he's at the time into Van Halen and all that stuff. Right. Okay. So he turns to the guys and he says, all right, guys, you know, because this is this is supposed to predate Chuck Berry. And so they, in fact, make a, a joke about Chuck, you know, Chuck, one of the guys calls and says, your cousin, listen to this, you know, but Marty turns to the guys and says, all right, guys, this is a blues, blues riff and B, you know, watch me for the changes and keep up. Right. Well, I thought it was funny that it's really B flat, but that's a whole other thing. But okay. when I heard this album, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a death metal little down tune and shit but to me it just follows a formula so for me my mind it goes to thrash riff and b because they're probably tuned down in b but yeah yeah, yeah totally and they're, they're catchy riffs but it's they're all kind of the same riffs <laughs> yeah it's thrash 
This is down to thrash. It's thrashy, thrashy death metal, death metal vocals, straightforward four four beat, nothing fancy. Um, kind of power metal in a way, groove metal or something. Uh, bouncy. What we've called it bouncy before. Yeah, That's what, bouncy is a good bouncy. way to describe it. Yeah, it kind of makes you shake your head, but. And I, the first few lessons, I really enjoyed it, but then it kind of has a little bit of a drop off because it's very basic. Yeah. 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 Well, I kind of alluded to it last week. I mean, when I I had within the last three, four weeks, I've rated a couple albums that are what I feel are outside my normal usual thing I go to pretty high because they kind of change, you know, maybe change it up, but we're really good. And this one I mentioned last week that, you know, it was one of those ones that just, uh, just follows it it's like what i like but it's not anything earth shattering right yeah, fancy totally. or new but yeah yeah i mean I, I imagine seeing these guys live is awesome this is really fun music yeah they said thrash, thrash riff and b yeah and just all basic you know three and a half minute songs pretty straightforward really good drumming i like this drummer you know this, this kid kind of kicks ass the riffs are pretty catchy and hooky kind of stuff you know but they don't really deviate much from the formula do they yeah, I mean, they're not really covering any new territory. It's heavy. <laughs> I like it. I like no. it. I mean, and it's not, that's not a knock, right? I mean, look at like Power Trip, same thing. They're not really covering any new territory. It's just heavy and it's got that, that nice feel and the things I like about that music. It doesn't have to be sure. recreating the wheel. Sure. And this is kind of the same thing. It's not yeah. recreating the wheel, but it sounds nope. good. It's fun. I don't think this is a, for me, it's not going to be like my contender for album of the year or anything, but it's good. I enjoy it. I mean, I'll go back to it and listen to yeah. it. I like the previous album better, the 2018. That album, yeah, that album's a fucking awesome album, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. So probably... it's like if this was the very first album I ever heard of Jungle Rot, I might like it more. But just the fact that that, that it was kind of hard to beat that album it kind of lessens this one a little bit. But I still like this one. Yeah, where does it where does it fall for you? Because I kind of fluctuated a little bit. I I went from. I have higher to lower to back to higher. And I said yeah. somewhere else. What, Same what here. You... I started off high cause I was really enjoying it. And then the more days went on that I listened to it. I was like, this is kind of wearing off, you know, wearing the, the shines kind of wearing off of it. Um, I went down and I listened to it again today. And I'm like, I hey, know this is a good album. Um, I want to give this an eight and a half, but I think this is, I, you know, I'm going to stick with eight and a half. This is an eight and a half. This is a good oh, album. Okay. Yeah. yeah this it's is a good, a good album. album. It's a good album. See, I was, I was fluctuating between that eight eight and a half i go back to what we described as our 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 um the meter by which we measure everything and to me that's yeah. Zabulba. yeah and i like this better than Zabulba, but i don't like it as good as or as much as some of the other ones that i rated in 8.5 same here i'm gonna go with an 8.3 no look at you with the i like the i like the fact you're using the adjustable scale now it's kind of cool I'm so stuck in the 0.5s. I got to start doing that more. But yeah, 8.5 sounds right again to me. Um, and I had to go back and listen to Drowned after I listened to this album. I had to go back and listen to Drowned to see if I rated that one properly because I rated it so high. And uh, yeah, no, I like that better than this album. This album's good, but it's definitely not a Drowned. Drowned is such a good album. That, uh, that was correct. And eight and a half is correct. I was going to give it a nine initially, but it's lost a little bit of its, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then I went, yeah. And I went back and listened to their previous album as well. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot how good this album is. So yeah, 8.5 sounds right. But worth listening to. I mean, you like, like this kind of music it's in, if you haven't heard it, I would definitely check it out. We're talking about a call to arms from jungle rot. Did you have any tracks that stood out for you? I mean, it's, they all kind of are very similar. 
I kind of liked them all um, moderately. There's a really good riff in the third song where it kind of, it doesn't repeat itself. It does a one riff as the chorus, but then doesn't repeat itself. It goes back into the basic part and then does the verse. And it's just, it's interesting the way they put it together. It's still pretty basic. I forgot the name of the song, but I think Vengeance and Bloodlust is probably my favorite song. Yeah, you're hitting on all mine. Yeah, the Genocidal Imperium was track. Yeah, that's three. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That was one I liked a lot. But yeah, same as you, track five, Vengeance and Bloodlust. That's probably my favorite. Yep. And I also like Maggot Infested just because the lyrics are fucking great. Yeah, that is a good one as well. Those are the yeah. three that I flagged with like the little like heart or whatever it is. On oh, the same the three same tracks. three that I liked? Yeah. That's That's funny, huh? We like the hooky, uh, the hooky choruses apparently. So anyway, yeah, this was uh, Jungle Rot, Call to Arms, A Call to Arms, May 13th, 2022, 10 songs, 33 minutes, 35 seconds. And I gave it an eight and a half and Dan gave it what? 8.3. 8.3. So next we're going to talk about something a little more fun and lighthearted and uh, kind of off the beaten path. I've been wanting to talk about this guy for a while just because it's so fucking weird and he's kind of funny. But um, we're going to talk about the only emperor of the United States of America coming up next. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the high exalted one. <laughs> the only emperor of the United States. The right? only emperor of the United States. <laughs> Joshua Abraham Norton, he also known as the Emperor Norton. He was a resident of San Francisco, and in 1859, he proclaimed himself Norton the First, Emperor of the United States. Yeah, awesome. And he was 18... born. He was born in 1818. There's a little iffy data on the date, but he was born in what is now part of London, Deptford, England, and uh, then he, he and his family moved from London to South Africa, and his father established a shipping business. He left Cape Town, and they think about 1845, they're not entirely sure, but he went to Boston via Liverpool in 1846, and then ended up in San Francisco in, in 1849. What an nothing... interesting time, dude. You know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's such an interesting time. Yeah. You know, it's... did you ever watch any of those those series, like Deadwood or any of those types of things that were the... I watched some of Deadwood, yeah. Yeah, getting around was kind of a bitch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like that whole phrase, Wild Wild West, man. You do, you know, you can have laws or whatever they were trying to do, but people are mm -hmm. going to do what they were going to do, you know, a little pretty lawless. Yeah. And the scramble for money. Now, in 1863, after Napoleon III invaded Mexico, which uh, I saw a documentary about that, which is interesting, he took the secondary title of, title of protector of mexico so he was emperor, so he was awesome emperor guy. norton i know emperor norton the first emperor of the united states and protector of mexico um this guy was fucking great i love this dude now does it seem like he may have snapped you think no, I mean, like, grandeur perhaps but i mean like really snapped because because he had some money he was well respected in san francisco and then he tried to corner the rice market of all things by um, buying the entire shipment of rice from a, a you, know, you know cargo ship from Peru that came in because rice at the time was uh, just skyrocketing in value because I guess there was some sort of grain shortage and then right after he purchased like fifteen thousand dollars or something worth of rice like two or three more ships showed up and it just plummeted the and then he was destitute he was just yeah. completely destitute and then he vanished for a while and when he came back he did this whole I'm the emperor of the United States shit like he just lost his mind or something. Yeah, well, he uh, was trying to pull that same thing that these people were doing with hand sanitizer. 
that's yeah. right. That's right. Or yeah, or um, yeah. or bounty. You know, yeah, the quicker picker upper. Oh, well, now you got a couple garage fulls of bounty. Good job, buddy. Yeah, at least bounty is not going out of style. Rice eventually is going to go bad if you have that much of it. You know. Yeah, but yeah, it ruined him. I mean, he was he would have been by you know adjusted for inflation a millionaire easily. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. Oh, there was a famine in China. Was what it was. Now he bought it at twelve cents per pound, uh, but more Peruvian ships arrived in port, like I said, and it caused the price to drop sharply to four cents per pound. Uh, he then lost a protracted lawsuit uh, in which he tried to void his rice contract. And his public prominence faded. He lost the suit and he was destroyed financially. He did not disappear completely, though. He dramatically reset his relationship to the world around him in September of 1859 when he declared himself the emperor of the United States. Uh, he had no formal political power, obviously, but he was treated deferentially in San Francisco. Yeah. People loved him. And they had, they had currency that had he, his face on it. He made his own currency and it was yeah. restaurants and shit accepted it. As places where he would go, right? Places where yeah. he would frequent. And, and that's so rare now that one of those bills, those fake bills, are worth a fortune now. Really? Find, yeah, they're worth so much money because um, they're super rare. Wow. But yeah, restaurants and stuff would accept his own printed money and stuff. And uh, he was pretty forward thinking, though. Some of his declarations, like he he said that there should be a bridge between um, Oakland and San Francisco. He said there should be some sort of like a League of Nations to stop all wars. And this is like 50 years before these things even happened. Maybe he was a visionary. <laughs> no, nah, he's just throwing the die. He was just being yeah. common sense, logic, you know, and yeah. stuff that probably was already being talked about anyway. So, but yeah. yeah, people were very kind to him on the streets and would bow to him. And um, I guess a cop busted him at one point and took him to jail. And there was such an uproar with the public that um, the chief of police let him go and issued a formal apology to him that was printed in the paper. And all police from that day forward uh, had to salute him when he walked by. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know if you read and you're looking at looking about this guy, his, his proclamation, but in yeah, read it. September 1859, mm -hmm. he went into the San Francisco Bulletin and handed them a slip of paper, which yeah. he signed Norton I, Emperor of the United States, and he declared the following. <laughs> Is a quote. Awesome. I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and 10 months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself the emperor of these United States, and in virtue of the authority hereby in me vested, do hereby <laughs> order and direct representatives of the different states of the union to assemble a musical hall of this city on the first day of February next. And then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring. So he's supposed to fix everything because he says so. Right. No one showed up, of course, at the meeting. It <laughs> <laughs> no. wasn't his only decree, though. You know, he was making all yeah. kinds of statements. Now, some considered him eccentric or even insane, but uh, San Francisco residents uh, celebrated his imperial presence and his proclamations, such as his order that the United States Congress be dissolved by force and his numerous decrees calling for the construction of a bridge and tunnel crossing San Francisco Bay to connect uh, San Francisco with Oakland. Um, he received many favors from the from the people of the city. But merchants, you know, business owners also capitalized on him, too. You know, they, they would sell souvenirs of him and stuff. So he was being kind of used, but he was treated basically respectfully. Um, things bearing his name were sold. San Francisco lived off of Emperor Norton. Um, Norton's biography, William Drury wrote, not Norton off San Francisco, 
So that's interesting. Now, he died in uh, January 8th of 1880. He collapsed on the corner of California and DuPont, now Grant Street. And he died before he could be given medical treatment. And the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle, um, upwards of 10,000 people lined the streets of San Francisco to pay him homage at his funeral. Uh, Isn't that insane? Uh, some, some crazy guy. That's awesome. But he would oh. stand on he would stand on street corners and, and like like make speeches about like being kind to each other because at the time there was a lot of like hatred towards uh, Chinese Americans you know because they were working on the railroads they started Chinatown and there was a lot of bigotry and violence against them and and he would stop he would like physically stop fights or things from occurring that were starting to manifest in the streets and he would like he would start like preaching like passages from the Bible and stuff and everyone would just slowly disperse and violence would end and he did shit like that all the time apparently. So he, he had good intentions, completely good intentions. Yeah, I mean, it did no harm. He was kind of just cruising along doing his thing, it seems like. He know? wore, yeah, he wore a um, he wore a union jacket and then he had like this weird hat with like a like a peacock feather sticking out of it. And he would walk around with a sword on his side. So <laughs> he's yeah. definitely definitely an eccentric for sure. I guess uh, the army officers used to give them give him bits of their uniforms, which he could wear around. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. And That's when he was true. issuing his currency, he was selling it for U.S. money. And like I said, that some of the places that he used to frequent accepted the money. And he claimed that holders of his currency would be paid back with 17 or 7% interest in the year 1880. Really? He died. That's the so year he died. Yep. It didn't happen. How convenient, Emperor Norton. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I like this guy. I think I just love the eccentricity of it and the fact that everyone kind of played along and he got, he basically got to eat and live for free the last how many years of his life, you know, after he lost all his money. Yeah. And um, yeah, no harm, no foul. And he actually did some good things for the city. People loved him. Apparently. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Was it because he was just became to be associated with their city? He had, yeah, he added color to the city and, you know, it was something interesting and probably a little bit of a tourist attraction, too, in a way, at some point, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Everything I read said that, that he's basically a tourist attraction. Yeah. And then he was given free meals using his fake money, his emperor money or whatever, in restaurants. And that would draw other patrons. So they actually made money off of him eating there. So it's, you know, yeah. it's pretty interesting. And he's just, he, he seemed like a genuinely like good hearted guy, though. So. He just cracked a little bit, you know, went from having money to nothing and vanished and came back as the emperor. Maybe I should do that. I hereby proclaim myself emperor of East San Diego. No, that wouldn't work. People would freaking laugh at me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, what, do you, what do you think was going on, though? Do you think he really cracked or do you think he was just using this as a way to get free shit the last 10 or 20 years of his life? I think he was a functionally functioning uh someone who wasn't all there you know schizophrenic maybe yeah maybe yeah but you know he was doing his thing man he'd go i guess he would go around and check the streets and the yeah. parks and you know yeah. make sure he's taking care of his domain you know yeah yeah he'd make sure everything was clean <laughs> everything was clean yeah 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 and he'd issue issue proclamations about you know like in the paper he'd like send the paper and they would print it dude they would actually print it in the paper like at first, I think they were just kind of laughing at him kind of as a joke, but then they just started printing all his proclamations, you know, like this place should be I mean, the, the upkeep here is terrible. So this should be, you know, like infrastructure and stuff. He would demand that certain infrastructure was taken care of. And it's just so funny that it was actually printed. They went along with that. It's so that's I love it, dude. I love this guy. He's so awesome. Yeah, there was, this is probably from a time when there weren't that. I mean, there were still a lot of people, but not like today. 
Right. Someone like this today would just get lost in the mix. The February 4th, 1865 edition of the Daily Alta California newspaper included an item in which um, the newspaper wished Emperor Norton a happy 47th birthday, indicating that his birthday was February 4th, 1818, not 1819, um, as it had been claimed, and a date that would line up with LaBelle Alliance's passenger list from two years later. Moreover, when Cohen quoted in 1865 Alta item, uh, in his essay, he used an altered version in an apparent attempt to advance his claim of an 1819 birth date. Persistent claims for an 1819 birth date are doubtful providence tracing to unsubstantiated assertions made online during the early years of the internet. So the internet's all fucking with his age. The Emperor's Bridge Campaign, now known as the Emperor Norton Trust, a nonprofit that engages in Norton research and education, produced a 2018 bicentennial series Emperor Norton at 200 that took as its starting point a February 4th, 1818 birthday for Norton. Supporting the participation in the series were a number of institutions that long have helped to preserve the historical record of Emperor Norton. The California Historical Society and San Francisco Public Library and the Mechanics Institute and the Society of California Pioneers all note him. Isn't that fucking cool? Yeah, that is pretty cool. There's often repeated historical claims that Joshua Norton arrived in San Francisco on a specific vessel, the Francesca, in uh, 1849, uh, that he arrived with $40,000 uh, in whole or in part a bequest from his father's estate. You know how much that would be now? That, that's a, that's lot. a lot of money. Fuck yeah. yeah. But he parlayed that into a fortune of $250,000. Um, and none of this is substantiated by co contemporaneous documentation, what is known is that after Norton arrived in San Francisco, he enjoyed a good deal of success in commodities markets and in real estate speculation. And that by late 1852, he was one of the more prosperous, respected citizens of San Francisco. And then he just fucking bought all that rice and lost all his money. What the fuck, dude? That's this is interesting. I'm looking at this currency now. It's a bad call. And these were little bills. It yeah. said the United States, and then it had a picture, of course, then the yeah. imperial government of Norton I. <laughs> and then it was a promissory note. It's like a promissory note from uh, Dumb and Dumber. It's like money in the bank, sir. It's an IOU, right? Yeah. Emperor yeah. Norton I promises to pay the holder hereof the sum of 50 cents in the year 1880 with interest <laughs> at 7% per annum from date. Oh, he had, maybe he knew he was going to, maybe he was a prophet. He knew to the date he was going to die. The maturity of 20 years. Wow. I wonder if they got their money. No I'm kidding. Bonds uh, payable and gold coin. See, where good, would as gold, have, good, as, good as gold, sir. Where would he have gotten? Eh, I don't know about that. There were a lot of people who speculated while he was alive that he was actually still rich and that it was kind of a ruse, I guess, to get free things or whatever. But when he died in his, his little flat that he lived in was inspected and gone through there was nothing he was living in squalor so he really was poor yeah he did live in some shitty boarding house and, yeah uh, wow these, these bills are really cool very interesting yeah it makes me wonder how he made them was i mean well they weren't very high tech man they were just printed on regular paper you know it's not like they had the whole i know but it wasn't like you know like a chicken scratch on there or something they look like actual bills yeah i mean they were looked like Which printed on strange yeah now, in 1857, it says he served on a jury for a case of a man accused of stealing a bar of gold from Wells Fargo. And in August 1858, Norton ran an ad announcing his candidacy for U.S. Congress. By this time, he was living in reduced circumstances at a working class boarding house. So, yeah, he was he had no <laughs> he had no money at all. 
reign of emperors as you oh my gosh he reigned as emperor for how many years <laughs> well 18 uh 18 what 40 what was when did he proclaim it 1849 was that right uh or, or 59 i can't remember 59 i think i think so by 1859 norton had become completely disconnected with what he considered the inadequacies of the legal and political structures of the u.s and in July 1859, he issued a brief manifesto addressed to the, quote, citizens of the union. <laughs> it outlined in the broad, broadest terms the national crisis as Joshua saw it and suggested imperative for action to address the crisis at the most basic level. The manifesto ran as a paid ad in the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin. Norton summoned the army to depose the elected officials of the Congress. This is what he wrote. Whereas a body of men calling themselves the National Congress are now in session in Washington City in violation of our imperial edict of the 12th of October last, declaring the said Congress abolished. Whereas it is necessary. How dare they defy. Exactly. The exactly. Yeah. Whereas it is necessary for the repose of our empire, empire, um, that the said decree should be strictly complied with. Now, therefore, we do hereby order and direct Major General Scott, the commander in chief of our armies, immediately upon receipt of this, our decree to proceed with a suitable force and clear the halls of the Congress. Hey, that sounds like a generous. That's, so, yeah, of course, his orders were ignored. <laughs> the army ignored them and the Congress likewise continued without any formal acknowledgement of the decree whatsoever. And it turns out that the, at the king of Hawaii at the time actually recognized King Norton as the ruler of the United States, the leader of the United, and would not talk to anyone else. So he was the only like leader of any other land that actually recognized him as the true leader of the United States. And he wouldn't talk to anyone else. He wouldn't talk to the president or Congress. He only would talk to Emperor Norton. Isn't that funny? Well, it's funny as the San Francisco Chronicle, after he died, ran the mm -hmm. headline, Leroy is more the, the, the king is dead. <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there is a two mile long uh, procession. Oh yeah, it's like, it is like ten thousand people, right? I think it's ten thousand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the ant yeah, the, the occasional anti-Chinese demonstrations, like I was talking about, in the poorer districts of San Francisco, riots took place, sometimes resulting in fatalities. Now, starting in the late 1870s, these riots were uh, fomented at rallies that took place on Sunday afternoons uh, at sand lots across the city hall. And the rallies were led by Dennis Kearney, a leader of the anti-Chinese Working Men's Party of California. What, a, what is wrong with people? Fucking whatever. It's a different time. Yeah, whatever. At a sand lot rally held on April 26, 1878, Emperor Norton appeared just before the start of the proceedings, stood on a small box and challenged Kearney directly, telling him... Um, and the assembled crowd to disperse and go home. Norton was unsuccessful, but the incident was widely reported in local papers over the next couple of days, making him somewhat of a hero. Oh, no harm, no foul, man. It's not like he was trying to do some good. He took his his reign of rule seriously. It was trying to do good for people, I guess, right? Yeah, fate fucked him over. He snapped and he just needed some free room and board for a couple of decades and was nice to people and amused people and brought in some tourism and actually did a little, a little bit of good. It cracks me up, though. They, they arrested him. And the citizens went nuts. I love that part. They went crazy and they had to release him and apologize to him formally in the paper. And then every time every time a police officer walked by him or vice versa, they had to salute him as the emperor. That's fucking awesome, dude. Well, let's wrap this one up. This was a fun one. Yeah, this is fun. Hey, man, you got to do you. People roll through life and they're their own hero, right? Yep. I'm going to go get my chicken suit. I got to be down at um, 
Got to be down at the yeah, stadium in a couple of hours here. Uh, Are you going to a game? No, I'm just going to walk around downtown in my chicken suit because I'm just going to do me. Declare declare yourself emperor of San Diego. I am the official chicken of San Diego now. The chicken is dead. It's me Walker. now. Walker. Anyway, thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next Get a Rain podcast. Let's get out of here. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.